It's Friday night. It's 7 o'clock. It's time for the sports phone. All right, Friday night, 7 o'clock, time for another edition of the Sports Phone here on KZYX. Jerry in Portland, Jim in the studio. Jim, what's new? There is so many buttons in here. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> you just kind of like have a moment where I, you're just sitting there and realize that, well, what percentage of the buttons do you, do you know what it does? Well, if you count every button on my keyboard, every button on the keyboard for the station, every button on this phone array system, and every button on the whole big board, I guess it's called the, what's the big it's board? It's a big mixing board. Big I mixing mean, that's board. One way to call it. You got buttons on all three different telephones. There's all these buttons back here where I have to dump people, and I probably use, what, 2% of them? I, I, that sounds about right. I remember when I was the general manager of our student radio station, um, I had been doing radio shows for two years prior to that. And I walked in for to get some training from the previous general manager. And I learned about things in the radio station that I had no idea existed. There was a whole control panel like underneath a drawer like or in a drawer that we had to use for the emergency alert system or something. And I had no idea that that was even there in the two years I had been doing radio. You know how, you know how I think here, if, if there's other buttons, I get curious, but I'm terrible at anything I don't do regularly. So, right. right. They they pack a lot of buttons in a small radio studio, like a a little studio. And that's a, that's a decent sized studio. I think it, it, where, where you're at. They uh they they pack in a lot of technology and a lot of buttons. I I think um I don't know I might be wrong but you know this isn't a rich station you know we fundraise we beg for money here, um, which we did really well with a couple of weeks ago. I got a feeling. Do you think that the more shoestring you're on, the more buttons you have? <laughs> I don't know. That's a good question. I I don't know either. Yeah, that's a good question. I don't know. I, I'd have to think about that a little bit. Um, I'll cool. get back to you on that one. Um, but what is the sports phone? It, uh, if you are new to the show, this is a, a very simple concept. This is an open forum sports talk show. Uh, Jim and I are here to talk about sports for the next 56 and a half minutes or so. Um, we are here to talk about sports. We are big sports fans. We both played a lot of sports. And we just like to use this hour to give you, the listeners, uh, on KZYX, a platform to talk about sports. We really don't care what the topic is. We don't care uh, the context, whether it be professional, college, high school, youth league, controversies, news stories, whatever you want to talk about, as long as it's related to sports. Uh, Jim and I are here. We want to listen to it. So we look forward to taking your calls and driving the show throughout the hour, as we always do. The number to call to do that is 707-895-2448. So as always, give us a call if you want to talk about sports in any capacity. Give us a ring, 707-895-2448. Look forward to taking your calls as we go throughout the evening. Jim? Hello, you're on the sports phone. Hey, thanks for taking my call. I enjoy your show. Thanks. Uh, I I listen quite frequently. I'm not a big sports fan, but it's uh, always fun to listen to. And uh, I enjoy the uh, the music that you start with too. And it's it's short. (laughs) I I hope it keeps. I hope you retain that as your sound bed. Yeah. So, caller, what I'm hearing from you is we should not do the KZYX Sports Phone reboot with a new song anytime soon. No, I mean, if you played it for three minutes or something, it would get old, but it's just, you know, it's just a good taste, and uh, it's it's not stale yet. 
for sure. And I just, want, I just want to remind this caller, maybe he's calling just to tell us what he already told us. He might have more on his mind, but I just want to thank him because my favorite, we may even make it into our slogan, but he said almost our slogan. I don't even like sports, and I like the sports phone. That may be our slogan in the future, but what do you got on I your do, mind? I do like some sports, and I have a, a bit of a quick quiz, and I'm happy to uh, answer it for you. It's about 10 or 11 years ago, not far from Willits, to, you know, less than a three-hour drive, and it had to do with uh, solar power, sort of, once removed solar power, and it, it was uh, some amazing athletes and technology that pulled it off, and uh, the sport went up to 55 miles an hour, 45 to 55 miles an hour, and it was uh, completely fossil-free and down in San Francisco, and uh, it, it was really a lot of fun. Is this a is this a, a quiz? Kind of a quiz. I, yeah. I'm going to guess it's is is it the competition for um, alternative vehicles or, or somewhere where not was it a no, race? No, not exactly. I'll go ahead and say it's uh, the America's Cup. The America's oh, it's, a, it's a sailing competition that's, that, that's held uh, around the world. Oh, has, well, that's pretty mainstream, isn't it? A very unique set of uh, rules to it, and uh, it was hosted down in uh, San Francisco, uh, in the San Francisco Bay, I think in '09, something like that. And it's a sport, and the people that operated these sailboats were athletes and technicians, and it was it was completely amazing to watch. And these. Uh, catch this. The uh, boats got to be kind of designed by one of the winners. I don't know all the rules, but they were 70, these sailboats were 72 foot long catamarans. I'm guessing that the America's Cup, Jer, is sort of like the Soapbox Derby. In, in, a, in, in, in what sense? In, in, <laughs> in sense that you're given criteria that you have to stick to. And, and everyone sure. has to make their boat out of basically the same materials. Is, is that even relevant, caller? Well, I, uh, here's another about that particular uh, event is that the masts on these, they were catamarans. The mast right. was 130 feet tall. And these things went 55 miles an hour. Oh, wow. Just with the wind. And coming uh, against a headwind, they had to go out to the bridge and turn around and come back. And uh, the, the going out to the bridge, they were doing 45 miles an hour against the wind. Well, Caller, it's, it's interesting. Oh, wow. I, I, I have no experience in sailboat racing, right? Like, that's a sport that I have no background in. But nor, one nor thing that I. I know Jim does have experience in is he's been around a lot of competitive windsurfers that, that do windsurf racing. And related to that, Jim, you actually have a good friend that he doesn't race catamarans, but he's the captain of one. And oh, we got going right. real fast on that thing, and that's not a racing catamaran. So yeah. I can only imagine what 55 miles an hour on a boat designed to race in that that's built like that is like. I think yeah. I, I think that's about raising Jerry. I think that might be <laughs> watching me windsurf, watching world-class windsurfers on Maui, and us taking him out on this cataran that, that a friend of ours um, didn't own, but he took chartered, char chartered, charter catamaran. Maybe the entire sailing um, experience that I offered him as a, as a father, and I'll say, Jared, if if they were going forty five to fifty five, I would say Greg's catamaran in a good wind 
was going 15. So that's how, how yeah, and that was fast. Caller, caller yeah, I'm curious. It's totally you know, awesome how- to see, and, and I don't know that much about sailing. But, but what I really like about your program is what, what it's brought to me is what a wide category the, the term sport is. It, it mm-hmm. just, it, it's never ending. Every time I think about it, wow, here it comes. I was just thinking of the, uh, uh, the timber industry pulls off a, a show in Ukiah every year, and, and there's sports there. There's axe throwing. There's tree chopping. Kind of a vegan sport. And, <laughs> uh, yeah, it, and it's just and, you know rolling the logs in the water and all that kind of stuff. And uh, it's, it's just amazing at, at how wide of a ca- category the term sport is. Caller, I'm curious, but before we let you go, I'm curious, do you know how many people, I, I'm trying to find it, but do you know how many people are operating a cat, like what a catamaran team looks like? Is it like five, oh, six people? Do, I'm gonna do you know say by chance? 10 or, 10 or 12, something like that. And they, okay. uh, they, they really have a workout. There are these fins that they pull up and down, and uh, the captain wears a computer on kind of a chest mounted computer. It's hmm. super. He knows what the uh, water currents are, what the wind currents are, mm-hmm. and he's he's uh, kind of guided by the some help from the shore. And then at night they pull these boats in and do little tune-ups on them. And it's it's you know quite a a, a blend between very high technology and and one of the oldest means of uh, of transportation in the world, and that is sailing. It's exactly well. Thanks. Thanks, thanks for the yeah, call. I don't mean to dominate the topic, so oh, hope other all. callers uh, call in and talk with uh, what's on their mind too. I just, I, I just wanted to chat and say, hey. No, I appreciate it. Really, thank, thank you so much. And that's again one of those topics similar to. Uh, I love bringing up this one because I, I just thought it was a fascinating conversation when we had. This was a couple of years ago now when we had a professional competitive fisherman on. And like I had so many questions, like I could I could come up with questions <laughs> to try to understand a sport like catamaran racing forever because like conceptually it's real simple. It's you're trying to either head to head or you're trying to like it's a time trial type thing. But what goes into like the prep work and like the practice of catamaran racing? Because it's like you've you've probably got some sort of pit crew that's getting the boat ready, and then you've got the people that are actually on the boat. I imagine it's this. A huge team sport. I was thinking. Yeah. I, I was thinking. Here, I can't see it anywhere, but I know it's in here somewhere. Um, remember when you were living here in in Mendo that you trading times, and and it's the show where people buy, sell, and trade stuff. Oh yeah. And whenever they give something out for free, someone says, "Hey, I got a free this or that." They ring a bell, mm-hmm. and they ring a bell because it's it's a special thing. It's free. If I can find that bell, I think it's in here somewhere. I think I'm going to ring it every time someone brings up a sport after three years that we we haven't talked about yet. Sailing is the one we have not talked about sailing yet. Yeah, that's and a new um, one for us. And and that that was, you know, fascinating. Seven oh seven. I love learning stuff. So, I learned the, <laughs> I, because of like what our starting level was for sailing. I learned a ton. I know 100% more now about sailing than I did five minutes ago. 707-895-2448. Give us a ring if you want to talk about sports, whatever is on your mind here on the sports phone. About a quarter of the way in of almost 715. Give us a ring if you want to talk about sports. 
800-242-2448. We were just going to talk. Uh, let's go back to our, our, our basics, Jared, until we get another call. This day in sports. Yeah. Today is, I always forget. Today is February. No, why did I say February? May, May 7th. 7th. And I'll go first. I usually go second because I I have something really interesting and I want to save it. This day in 2018, so maybe the most current one I've ever done, Welshman Mark Williams. So May 7th, 2018, Welshman Mark Williams wins and does a press conference nude in the World Snooker Championships. I am going to turn that immediately into stump the listeners I don't even know what snooker is. I, so I looked it up. <laughs> right. do you, do you, do you, would you like the answer or uh, like the, the short answer? I would like to see if, if this caller that's on the air right now knows what snooker is. Hello, you're on okay. the air. Hi, this is Tim from Moscow, Idaho, calling in. Oh, and I was uh, um, intrigued by the, the sailing sport. Um, it's one that I don't know that much about myself either, but it, it always intrigues me. And the sports that it, of the sailing variety that I find the most intriguing is it's called the Vende Globe, huh. and it's ba- basically people one-handing around the globe. And the boats they sail, I guess they're sort of edging on towards 50 feet or thereabouts. You lost me with the but, term one-handing. Um, it's just one person on a sailboat. Oh, oh okay. Um, that's, that's the whole deal. And they're going to sail around the world. Um, they start in France, and they work their way around the Horn and, and back around up through the uh, Indian Ocean and around the Cape of Good Hope and then up to France again. And it's uh, I, I can't recall the, the amount of time that it takes, but it's a lot quicker than you would think it would be. It's not, you know, it's less than a year. It's it's months, that. I guess it's months. Are you there? Yeah, we're here. Hey, caller, what's, what's on your mind? Well, isn't Snoko Billiards... Yeah, it, it is a form of billiards. Um, that was kind of as far as I got before Jim brought that call in. It, it the, the thing I noticed about it was that it, there's a lot of balls that are that appear to be the same color. Like on, oh. on my first look, I I haven't gotten into the details, but yes, it is definitely a form of billiards. Do I win anything? <laughs> I'm just kidding, but you know that. Yes, yes, I, we're going to have merch. I, I like to call in often whenever, but it's been crazy with the um, COVID because people were at home and you couldn't get through on the studio phone. And I just love KZYX for every single thing and um, appreciate y'all for all you do. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Hello, Carl. Uh, you're on the air. Hi. I can tell you what snooker is. <laughs> Go ahead, explain it a little more carefully than the last last caller. Yeah, well, it's she's right. You play it on a little larger type of pool table, and you have a whole series of red balls. I think it must be about ten or twelve red balls, and you you compete based upon the number of points you score. And in addition to the to the red balls, you have uh, some numbered balls, and I forget how far the numbers go. But you, you of course, break the balls out, and then you have to go through the red balls, and for every red ball, you score one point. And then when you get to the numbered balls, you score the number of points on the ball. 
they have a little wire that runs along the table there, and each guy moves these little these little counters. You know, each little each little button that you slide along counts as a point, and that's how you keep score. Well, I didn't and, I didn't realize we'd have so many people explaining snooker. So, caller, just I'm curious, just based on your explanation of that, is the closest comparison for me because I've never played this. I've played I played a lot of pool. Is the closest comparison just because you're hitting the balls in a certain order? Like, is this a more involved version of like nine ball? Yeah, and of course, okay. the table is bigger and the pockets are smaller. Oh, really? So it okay. takes a, a higher degree of skill. You know, I should I should probably mention as a point of interest that my first job in life when I was ten years old was I was a pin setter in a bowling alley in Sinclair, Wyoming. And it was a good job because we got benefits. We were allowed to play pool for free. <laughs> and and we we also played on the snooker tables, and that's where I first learned it. And unfortunately, the job was, was downsized by automation, you know. Yeah. It's, I'm sure you weren't the first. I really appreciate the call. Never thought we'd get snooker calls, Jer. I love it. I love it. Um, Jim, I do want to quickly circle back because I think we I think we – some I think we got disconnected when we were talking about the the Vende Globe the the, uh, the round trip sailing competition. I just wanted to I just wanted to quickly close the kind of the the, the knot tie the knot on that. It looks like the the record holder for completing that race is seventy four days. So it, it's there. Do they all race at the same time? I I want to first of all, Jerry. I know I'm not supposed to do this, but I have to. I apologize. I invite the caller to call back from Idaho. Um, if you know more more about this race, I hung up. I tried to push too many buttons at once, and I'll never do that again. And I, I've told myself. So if you want to call back, give us more information. I, what I wanted to ask him before I try to do too much, Jerry, you may know the answer to this now, was do they all go at once? Or, or can you go anytime you want and you just time it until you get back? I, I don't have the answer to that. Um this All, is a fascinating like, the, the, race. The quick read of this, like the catch, like the tagline for it is solo, nonstop, and without assistance. Hello, Carl. Um, you're on the air. It's Tim from Idaho. Oh, thank you. Tim. The Globe. Um, they all they all take off at the same time. Wow. Um, and they're uh, lady skippers, they're guy skippers, um, but it's all by themselves. So it's like a marathon. And they they're competing. It's it's like a yeah. marathon. Yeah. Um, but the idea of sailing a boat twenty four hours a day for how many days was it? Seventy four days. That's yeah. the um, record. Yeah. Uh, is you know it's it's quite a deal as far as I'm concerned. Do you think? So, they anyway, like, go ahead, Jer. What I was going to say, like just again reading off of their website, it looks like a hundred and sixty seven sailors have attempted this. And only eighty nine and eighty nine of them have completed it. So like that's roughly half. I I wow. would imagine, just based on that, there's got there's got to be safety like cautions galore on this. Like they're not just out there. I understand they're out there on their own, meaning they have to sail the boat without assistance. But there's got to be safety procedures in mind. Like I haven't gotten that deep into. The next thing I want to search is, is has anyone died during this event? Oh, no, no. But, they, yes, they, they die routinely. Um, really? Uh, really? Especially when they get down um, by the Cape of Good Hope, where oh, they geez. encounter um, small icebergs and the seas are just dreadful. 
uh, and the boats uh, basically, you know, um, they might uh, turn over in the in the um, storms. Um, uh, Are there chase uh, boats? Know, Are there chase no, boats? Like, no, none, none of that stuff. <laughs> that, that's no what I was boats. asking I mean, about safety. They, so they there's depend, no chase boats. Okay. No, they they depend upon um, the kind of air sea rescue of you know whatever is close by. But they are basically on their own. Um, no, there, there are no chase boats. I mean, it, it, uh, think about it. They, they get strung out over a long distance, and, and uh, yeah, right. you know, they get blown off course, and, and they'll change their course depending on what the weather looks like. It's, um, it's you know, pretty much a free-for-all. And they must have checkpoints. They, you must have to go well, by checkpoints. Well, they they have good communication. You know, they have they have um, okay, yeah, uh, GPS. satellite phones, and uh, it's very excellent. I'm that I'm I'm quite sure. Um, and I don't know if they get to put into port uh, along the way or not, but I I rather doubt it. But anyway, um, no, this is fascinating. Seven oh seven eight nine. I can't give very very much information, so it's not that fascinating. Wow. No. I, well, I mean, it's still. I think that the comparison that I just saw to it, and I think this kind of can put it in context. For people that may know a lot, of, not a lot, of, not for, excuse me. For people that may not know a lot about sailing, everyone's heard of Mount Everest, and so I've been reading some articles that have said the comparison feat is climbing Mount Everest. Really, in terms of like how difficult this this race is. Wow. I yeah. Uh, I, I so like that again. I think I don't know anything about rock climbing, but I think I know Mount Everest and the difficulty of like what the 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 the. the presentation of difficulty is for that so to, to, to make that comparison i think that, that adds a lot more to it no that's mm. that's fascinating i will never be attempting that i couldn't tell you the first thing about being on a sailboat 707-895-2448 give us a ring if you want to talk about sports whatever is on your mind and you will, on sports phone you will always be known as tim from idaho on the sports phone please call back thanks tim wow good stuff what good stuff all right, so that was my this day in sports. Uh, back, I'll say back to our scheduled programming, and and that that was Tim. I mean, that was Snooker that I brought up, and, and you know, I never right. asked either one of those people that knew about Snooker, Chair. Was there any relevance to him doing the press conference nude? I I didn't make an effort to look into that, and it's funny when I when I saw this on kind of our list of 2018 of like of on this day in sports. Yeah. The thing that I that I regret about it was I just read that he won the snooker championship, but I stopped reading. I didn't oh. see the the second line of the sentence about him doing the press conference in the nude, or I may have actually chosen that one, but I just totally skipped it because I didn't see that second line. I, and, I, and I was just wondering if. When we do these these days, when you pull up the website, can you get more information on any one of the events? Not on the site itself. Um, okay. I always have to kind of go outside of that to to find it. Um, but yeah, if, but if I find an interesting one, I, I definitely uh, I definitely take a look at it. Um, You're on the sports have... phone. Oh, hold on, Jerry, I got a call. No, go for it. Go You're for on it. the sports phone. Hello. That is you. You there? Hello. You're on the sports phone. Yeah, um, I just wanted to make a comment on, you know, the relative dangers of uh, sailing around the world. What a lot of people don't realize, every now and then you'll hear where one of these container ships goes down or it's in a f storm. There was one recently, and it lost, like, you know, a thousand shipping containers. Oh, and geez. I remember a story a number of years back, these sailors were sharing it, about a shipping container that was full of vacuum tubes. <laughs> so that shipping container was never going to sink. 
<laughs> so this floated all around the world in the shipping lane, wow. bobbing up and down in the water below the level you'll be able to see it because it's positive buoyancy didn't bring it up. But now, you if, if you're really lucky, you'd hit it from an angle where you could kind of slide along it. But the problem was is some of these, you know, fiberglass old ships and all these composite materials hit that sucker on a corner. You're out there in the middle of the ocean, and you just opened up your hole on a shipping container that's floating either at the water level or just slightly below the water level. And there's tens of thousands of these things floating around at different levels, depending on the amount of positive buoyancy that is in whatever cargo was inside of that container. So if you think about how you try and make a boat, this sort of, you know, combination of strength and lightness, because you're sailing, it needs to be light. And if you, you know, if you want to be able to move easy, so you have this trade-off. And then when you, you know, it's one thing when you have charts that can tell you, oh, yeah, you know, there's a reef over there. And, you know, technology's gotten pretty good at mapping that kind of stuff. And there are um, companies that are tracking a lot of this stuff floating around in the water, just like we have up in space for the space station, Uh people that are tracking this stuff. But so many shipping containers are getting into the water now. But it's becoming a real issue. Wow. And you just have uh, your cute little boat out there floating along, and you take a corner of that shipping container, you know, when you're moving pretty fast, coming down a wave in a storm or whatever it is, and your boat just heads for the bottom. Because huh. it is yeah, opened I, up like somebody took a can opener and just ran it down your boat. I believe it. I guess I guess if you're climbing Mount Everest, you don't need to worry about some, some like, foreign object getting in your way in the same way. I, I, I can only imagine and i have no comparison for this the stress i would say of being stuck at sea out in the open water if i was just on a little boat trying to compete in this kind of race if i just started i can't imagine what the i'm sure you have training to deal with that kind of stuff but i can't even start to comprehend that i well i mean you hear about 14 year olds sailing around the world i mean what kind of training do they have yeah (laughs) you know i mean what did you know how to do at 14 well Somebody sailed with you a little bit and said, hey, man, go set a world record. Sail around the world. <laughs> Maybe yeah. the youngest person to do it. I, I appreciate, right, I, I appreciate the you. Um, I appreciate the call. The, the takes we're getting on this. I mean, somehow, I mean, there's a lot to be taken on that call, Jer. Somehow, you know, with 89 or 160 sailboats sailing all the way around the world, there's a lot of fish and water in the sea. Somehow, a bobbing... 18-wheeler out there somewhere, a container from an 18-wheeler, somehow doesn't seem like there's a big chance of hitting it. I My only thing there would be, and, and if this caller was still on, I think he would say this, is, like, there are lanes in the ocean, right? Similar to how there's lanes, lanes. On, yeah. on the road. Yeah. And they're there for a reason. So I would imagine oh, I that these, these sailors that are, tra- are using those lanes in some form. And so, so are other people, too, yeah. Exactly, yeah. yeah. So, so again, I, I don't know how likely it is, but, but it's absolutely like a, a plausible scenario. I also think I, I caught you saying something there. I also think, and let's just say us dumping shipping containers into the ocean is a form of trash. I'll bet you there are all kinds of trash on that trail up to Mount Everest. 
I, I maybe I don't know. Yeah, we, that's a good question. I, I'd be curious. Um, 707-895-2448. Give us a ring if you want to talk about sports. About halfway through the sports phone here, Jim and I are learning everything and anything we could have thought we would need to know about sailing in all senses of the word. Uh, so, or, or give us a call if you've got anything you want to add to the sailing conversation or anything you uh, you want to bring up or talk about. 707-895-2448. For my on this day in sports, uh, while we're waiting for another call, seven thirty. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Am I good? Yeah, go ahead. I'm sorry. Okay, sorry. Uh, I had uh, May seventh of nineteen eighty two, and this is this sounds like a boring thing, but after the the, the, with the background I know about it, it's actually a fascinating story. Um, A California jury ruled that the NFL was violating antitrust rules. Uh, when they tried to block the Oakland Raiders from moving to or to move to, sorry, what the NFL was violating antitrust laws when they tried to stop the Raiders from moving to Los Angeles in 1982. That case then allowed the Raiders to move to Los Angeles for the couple of years they were there. The reason I said it's not that it's 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 a lot of legal jargon, but it's really a fascinating story. Um, for people that are fans of ESPN's 30 for 30 documentaries, if you haven't seen it. Uh, Al versus the NFL, which was kind of the story about Al Davis and his, who was the uh, past owner of the Oakland Raiders um, and his kind of not good relationship with the NFL and the, the commissioner at the time. I tell you, it's a fascinating story, and kind of that is one of the crux pieces of it was that lawsuit when he tried to move the team uh, to Los Angeles. So if you haven't had a chance to watch that documentary, that's my plug for it. Uh, it is fantastic. Um, and that's at the core of it. It's a really fascinating story. Before I try to bring up some, something else, I just want to tell you, Jared, I have, I've been busy and I haven't got around to telling you, I have a new sports phone friend. I'm going to call them the clinic. I work on hired a new doctor. All right. Okay. Have you ever really sat down with someone that grew up in Chicago? This is a breed. The Bears, the Bulls. This is a breed of people. And this person is, is, is younger than me. But the stories, the Jordan, what it did to the family, her brothers, the sisters, meeting them at the airport after the first, you know, after the first, uh, the first championship for, for the Bulls. I just realized how exciting sitting around, you know, that we, we like doing the sports phone. I all of a sudden have that kind of energy at lunch at the clinic I work on. Mm-hmm. And and it's just it's just, just fascinating. I, I had no idea. You know, the the Bulls, Chicago is a culture in sports more than I ever thought. I'm thinking New York and L.A. and the Raiders fans. It's one of its own, I'm finding out. I, I think you are underselling the impact not just of the bulls but like of the cubs even in a city like chicago like the cubs are an iconic franchise in baseball like i would say if they're not on the same level they're right there with like the dodgers and the yankees in terms of just an iconic franchise so i I, i'm not surprised by that passion in the same way that you are yeah it's it's i just I think it's more exciting. We just, don't, we just don't hear about it very often. Nine out of the ten people that I work with are in that category of, I sort of like the sports phone, but I don't really like sports. So I really can't, you know, but all of a sudden I'm at lunch with a with a Chicago sports fan. I mean, mm-hmm. it's, it's yeah. very exciting. Yeah, absolutely. 
All right. 707-895-2448. Just want to get the phone number out there one more time in case you wanted to call, but weren't sure where the number was. 707-895-2448. Give us a ring if you want to talk about sports. How about you give me your this day, not today in sports, but something that happened today that's exciting. See if we get any calls. And then I want to mention last week in the sports phone. I don't know if this is exciting. I think it's interesting. Um, I, I don't know if it's I don't know if it's exciting though. Uh, so Zion Williamson, uh, who's arguably one of the biggest, if not the biggest, young name in profession in professional basketball right now. Um, I think he's in his second year from Duke. Uh, human, like a, just a highlight reel, a crazy athlete. Um, he is out indefinitely with a fractured finger. That's not all that interesting. Injuries are, you know, they're they're they're. I would say they're a dime a dozen in the NBA in any sport. Injuries happen to great players, yep. role players all the time. Um, what was interesting about this was that the Pelic- the New Orleans Pelicans, who's who the, the team that Zion Williamson plays for, their president of basketball operations, David Griffin, David Griffin, he made some comments where he said that the injury was avoidable if the league did a better job officiating Zion Williamson. So however you want to kind of spin that, they're basically blaming the NBA and the NBA's officiating on for Zion Williamson's fractured finger. When I when you know, you sent me that said, I I tried to give it a read and give it a listen whenever um, whenever you do. I don't always get to it, as you know, but this one I got right into. And I just want to let. No, Jared, he didn't beat around the bush. He said the NBA was responsible for his player's injury. And a little more in depth, the sports analysis people started talking about how hard certain people are to... to, um, To, to officiate, Shaq being, uh, Shaquille O'Neal being the hardest, and then you said, what else were you going to say about it? I interrupted you there. I'm sorry. No, no, you're good. You're good. Yeah. I, I'll, I'll read the quote because I think it, it gives some context, um, and, and I like quotes because it, it gives me also a chance to think about things a little bit. Um, so, so the big quote from David Griffin, who is, again, the GM of the Pelicans who kind of made this claim, was said, I'm really frustrated because this was avoidable. Uh, we told the NBA through every means ne- available to us sending films, speaking to everybody in the officiating department and everybody in basketball operations that they were offic- that the way they were officiating Zion was going to get him injured. And quite frankly, he's injured because of the open season that there's been on Zion Williamson in the paint. And first thought, what you say? First thought people are going to, that, that aren't Zion fans. The first thought is going to be that guy's just a big whiner, that, that GM, whoever it is, that's saying that. I mean, that's going to be the first take of anybody that's not a Zion fan. I think that it's a it's a it's a take that I understand. I don't think the NBA officials are trying to deliberately not make right. calls. Or not, I, I don't think the NBA officials are making a deliberate effort to ignore Zion with the intention of getting him hurt. I, I think it's a, I think it's a take that is, it's a difficult thing to do. It's a, di- they're saying it's right. hard. To, yeah. Right. And, and so I, I think that the, I think the concern is fair, but I don't think it's from a lack of 
of effort by NBA officials, right? I don't think they're deliberately putting Zion in dangerous situations. Oh, I, 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 I guess that that was what I was trying to get out that whole time. Um, but it, it leads to the to this conversation of, and, and we were talking a little bit beforehand that, especially in a sport like basketball, there are have always been players that are historically more difficult to officiate for some reason or another. Sure. Um, I found an article uh, about uh, Danny Crawford, who was an NBA official for 31 years, and he talked about that the two hardest players that he had to officiate that are currently playing are Russell Westbrook and James Harden, and then he also kind of said that the obvious one for the hardest player of all time for any official to officiate uh, in the NBA was Shaq, uh, Shaquille O'Neal. And it kind of it got me thinking again, like I, just this idea that I think the reason these types of players are hard to officiate is because they're outliers in some way. Shaq was just a, Shaq was an outlier because of how much bigger and stronger he was than everybody else. And, and his his style, his style, and of his play. style. Yeah, yeah, sure. And 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 there was even a comment that that Crawford made. I can't I can't find it in the article at the moment. But he basically said like, you had to officiate that in keep that in mind we're like defensive players had to use some level of physicality just so they didn't get hurt trying to ref Shaq. just to get out of the way it, it yeah. just yeah just just to avoid getting hurt when they tried to guard him so and i think zion is the same he's a he's a similar case but because of a different set of variables with Shaq, it was brute strength and with zion it's a it's a strength combined with the fact that there is that there aren't a lot of six nine two hundred and eighty some odd bodies that can move in the way that Zion can. So I, again, I, I think it's an interesting topic just because of the way that the Pelicans GM brought it up. But I, I don't think that there's any ill intention on the part of the officials. I just think they are doing their best. Well, you could maybe argue NBA officiating isn't the best, but, but they're, 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 they're dealing with a, a very an outlier of a player in, in Zion, and that, that just leads to more mistakes, naturally, because you're not used to officiating somebody like that. Yeah, I, I don't want to, you know, I have so much respect for one of our base of listeners, which is, you know, they, I don't know that much about sports, but I love the sports phone. So I don't want to get too into detail here, Jer. We only have 20 minutes left. But what I want to say about it is, you're right about being outliers. I would put Russell Westbrook, you mentioned him. I'd put him into the very, very similar category as Ian Williams. They have similar styles, except one smaller than the other. They sure. both go to the, the to the rim with random craziness. They both run the floor. They anyway, um, in a way, I see the similarity. The real outlier is Harden. He just yeah, you just pure, don't know when he's faking it. He's just, <laughs> he's just pure crafty. And he's figured out how to work the system. It's not. It, it's not just his pure athleticism that causes sure. it. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Seven zero seven eight nine five two four four eight. Um, I want to talk for a second. Jared, can I can I go for a second here? You you have the floor. All right. I want to go for a second on last week on the sports phone. Um, I, I want to bring this up again because I I think it's the future of talk. Sports Talk Radio, we're going to hear a lot about it in the next, but we had a caller. We had decided not to bring up a, a topic that a caller brought up, and that is what are we going to do about who can play in what sport with transgender athletes? And the, the biggest issue 
in in it as far as I can see. I've done some research on it, which I usually don't do that much. Um, and I think you you made this clear last week. The the real issue that's going to stick with this more than others is when a male born male athlete transitions to female and wants to play in female sports. That seems to be the biggest issue. Most- that's not that's not uh, that's not a debate. That is what this bill is about. That's, okay. Okay. That's so that is so, yeah, so that, that is the that is this bill. Okay. Every there, I, if I remember correctly, there's 29 states that have some form of legislation for oh, this really? uh, about around high school athletics, and it is all addressing that specific. Okay. Th- thank you, because that's what I thought. Um, so, getting back to this summary, is most of our calls last week was from women or mothers that think that the man that transitions to a woman should not play in women's athletics that we had one caller that said that eh, play in any sport you play in you whatever you think you, whatever you feel like whatever gender you identify with play in that sport i don't think that's going to fly in the long run and i think there's a future debate here where there's isn't sports and this is my take on the whole thing isn't sports based on Mo every sport, every league, it's rule after rule after rule. They sit down, they make the rules, and then you have to follow them until the rules are changed. And I think what we're waiting for here is for some rules. You can't just randomly. So they're going to have to make some rules. And my big question is, for and I'm asking this to the callers, I'm asking this to you, Jer, what will determine the transition from male to female, will it just be the identity of the person choosing that identity, or will they have to go through some sort of physical transition? So that's where I'm going to leave it, because I don't want to bring up this sport unless other people want to, uh, this this topic. But I think the future, oh, so you say it's not the future, it's right now. Um, what do you think is going to happen? Jared, there's no calls right now. What is going to happen? Are there going to be, is there going to be rules in every state? I mean, that's a that's a heck of a question to throw my way. What do I think is going to happen? Are there um, going to no? I mean, are there are there going to be each state's going to sit down and write a set of rules? Is the NCA going to come up? I mean, what what is what is? I, the... I go back to what I said uh, last week very briefly. I think this is going to be a lot of writing laws that are never going to come into play at a, at a high level. I, I truly really? believe that because of the. I said this last week when we talked about this. There is a. Very, in order for this to become a, a a concrete issue, right now we are talking about this like these laws are being being written for outlier cases. This is not, like these outlier scenarios okay. that are few and far between. I, I I don't think that this is a consistent issue that state high school governing bodies are having to deal with. I think this is something that is being written to deal with a problem that is always going to be more theoretical than practical. I'm not saying that this isn't going to come up. I'm not saying there aren't going to be challenges to it in court. I I, I am saying that the practical application of this is never going to be the, a major thing, and, and that's that is because not to say pure, it's not, again that that's that's not to say it's not going to be a national debate. It's going to be a national deep debate about the theory of it 
and there's going to be very few there's not going to be a lot of actual application of this again because i don't think i think the the set of variables involved is you the 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 pool of people that this can happen to gets smaller and smaller each time you like shave it down and i talked about that a little bit so again this is going to be a debate there's going to be a lot of people on a lot of different sides of it there are going to be examples of it sure but but i don't i don't think this becomes as practical as a debate as something like Title IX did. Because of the pure numbers. There, there's because a, there's of purely Half numbers. the population yes. wanted to play, be treated equal in sports in Title IX. You're right. saying the pure volume. Um, I, I don't have any calls here, but I have two messages from our favorite texter, Z. One is, I'm from Chicago. You want to talk about sports, call me anytime. We'll have lunch. <laughs> <laughs> I love That's, that. So, real, real quick, before you get to text number two, Jim, yeah. that might be one of Saturday Night Live's best bits when there's just a bunch of Chicago fans sitting at the bar. The doubles, the Bears. <laughs> it's, it's one of the best. One I of the best. it's Saturday Dan Aykroyd. And then, yeah. I mean, Z-Man is definitely listening because he's on both topics. This is what I was getting at. Will it be something like this? I believe it must be a chromosome test to determine eligibility. It's totally unfair to have chromosome-determined males play in female sports because of the pure physicality of the differences between males and females. I added that little part. No matter how the person, the identity, individual identifies so well, yeah it, that's and, the and kind of thing i think is going to happen sure too. sure and, and 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 i didn't realize that was kind of the question you were going for but yes i would agree with that i i think call politicians whatever you would like to i don't think it i don't think politicians are stupid call them whatever you want but i don't think stupid is the right word they are going to write these bills with very specific language like they right. will clearly now it might change state by state but they will clearly define the parameters of this however they choose to when they write these bills. I don't think they're going to leave that open to any interpretation. That's funny um, you should say it. it. may change state to state. Like, oh, absolutely. Li- this, like I like it. Have... I mean, we've got states that are liking to have an advertisement to say don't wear masks because we got other states that say you got to wear a mask. Believe right, me, right. There, there, there is a bit difference from state to state for sure. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. So, I, I yeah, is this going to be a debate for years to come possibly? Absolutely. But yeah. I still stand by... I, I see think what we're you mean. Very rarely going to hear about this of like the top. Like I, I don't think we're going to hear the story that the top that a top five high, McDonald's All American that was a male decided he wanted to go play women's college basketball. I don't think we're ever getting that. that story. That's the fear. It, that, it, that, that that's level. the kind of hype that I brought up last week. It, is, I, is I just I don't think that's going to happen. But I could be wrong. I could absolutely be wrong. But I just I don't believe it's going to happen at that level. Um, the, the, and the reason being, the reason being, and I'm going to leave it there. The reason being, Jer, is is as you said, pure pure numbers. I've got another current thing um, uh, right now, and I, I forgot to. to um, I called Billy Ophel, who's the Mendocino. I actually called Matt Gordon, who's the athletic director of Mendocino um, College. And the basketball coach, who are frequent callers um, and guests on the, the sports phone, just with a like, okay, we're in the yellow tier here. What is Mendocino College doing for athletics right now? And so so I asked Billy, the basketball coach, are you playing spring basketball? Because I hear a lot of colleges are. I mean, some, some high schools are. Some colleges are. 
Billy says, we opted out for the entire season. We decided not to do spring basketball, as did 90% of junior college teams in California. The plan is to come back strong in the fall and go for full on. It was a tough year, and, and Billy just says, and I'll give it his credit, it was a this was a tough year not to play after having one of the best seasons ever mm-hmm. and having almost all freshmen on that team. Yeah, it's 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 funny. I, I would love to have a conversation with Billy at some point. I, I don't know if he's listening or not, but if, and with only ten minutes left, I, I doubt we this would happen. But the the thing that I was really curious about, and Billy and Billy talked about this a little bit when we had him on back when COVID was like, you know, full on and not to say it's not full on now, but when it was more full on. The thing that fascinates me about this at the junior college level is the backlog it creates in in the sense of if players were granted some form of extension where they didn't burn a year of eligibility, does Billy now have three years or three classes worth of players that he needs to fit onto a team somehow? And I think that is the college. I think four year like division one colleges, it's another conversation. They've got all the resources in the world to figure out something like that. But at the junior college level, I, I would be real. I'm really curious that, like, to hear, like, Billy, going into next year, do you have more players than you normally would? And and, and, I, I and would does really he have those? Uh, I question. You know, they basically have two years of eligibility in a junior college. Right. They've played one. I don't know. So we're assuming because they didn't play at all, they have one more. Right. So I see what you're saying. They're going to have. They're going to have two classes of new players instead of one plus these guys, right? right exactly. Yeah, so yeah. Does, do they try to transfer and go to four-year schools? And again, does he just have to cut more players? Like, I, I think it's a it's a fascinating topic. I'd love to learn more about that. Yeah, college athletics is, is just because of the eligibility part is, is really fascinating with, with how they're going to deal with COVID um, going forward. It's, Jim, it's funny that this is totally, well, this is not totally off subject, but it's, it's somewhat it's related. Um, I was driving to back from the chiropractor yesterday and I was listening to some sports radio and I love Oregon sports radio because they just are so funny, but they got into this debate of uh, what will the percentage of fans be for the Oregon ducks football home opener in the fall percentage of fans. Yeah. What percentage of the stadium will be filled for the university of Oregon? Yeah. And, and there, it was just interesting. They're still not convinced that it's going to be a hundred percent full. And they usually are. Oh, the Ducks! The Ducks sell out every game. Every like, game. Yeah, that's, okay. All yeah, right, that's all no right. question asked. But the the part of it that I thought was really interesting, going back to what we said a little while ago, like state to state, the next week the Ducks are in Ohio to play Ohio State, and there was oh no question asked, Ohio State's going to be full capacity. Like oh, that's I see. It, it is again like I think state to state thing. So state I, 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 I think it kind of related to college sports, but it's just something that kind of came to mind there that I thought was interesting and worth bringing up. About seven minutes left on the show here. Seven oh seven eight nine five. 2448, give us a ring if you want to talk about sports, whatever is on your mind. Let's talk about it for the next couple of minutes. 707-895-2448, let's talk on the sports phone. You're on the sports phone live. Go ahead. Hi there, uh, this is Patty from Fort Bragg. Patty? Did you say Patty? On my radio here. Okay, so um, I just wanted to, first of all, thank you for the Chicago shout-out. Oh, this is Patty um, Chicago. Um, I wanted to just add a couple of tiny little details. Um, first of all, um, yes, the Cubs are a huge institution in Chicago, um, as are the White Sox. Um, I think you'll find that um, in any city, um, you know, the sports teams are just 
so revered. I mean, I dated somebody from St. Louis who was just this giant, like, the, the Cardinals were his life, as were all the other St. Louis teams. So I just wanted to kind of put that out there in general. Um, and then the other thing I just wanted to leave out there as food for thought about the trans issue yeah. um, was just, I, I think um, there, there are definitely many ways to look at this issue. One of them is that, you know, um, people are going to identify a certain way in order to win a medal or win a prize. Um, I think the other thing to consider, though, um, for all trans people is that is a matter of safety in terms of um, a male who transitions to a female. How safe are they um, competing in a, in a, for in a male sport, um, in a sport where people identify as male? In terms of their safety among other competitors, in terms of safety in their own countries. Um, and so I think just kind of taking a step back and thinking of the issue um, uh, in, in both ways, in trying to find mm-hmm. a middle, I think it's, uh, it might be valuable. So um, yeah. thanks. This is my first time listening and calling in. So I've enjoyed your show. <laughs> Bye. Oh, thank you. I appreciate it. And uh, I, I, uh, it, it's funny. I, I've always said I've expressed that I'm not a huge baseball fan. I will 100% admit that I, was sh- I am shocked to hear that the White Sox have the same uh, cachet as the Cubs do. I thought that that was a big brother, little brother thing uh, Chicago, in Chicago. I, I didn't realize that the White Sox were at the same level. I, I had always thought of that as the Clippers and the Lakers, where for a long time the Clippers were just the little brother of the Lakers. And so I appreciate. I thought that, I think that's really interesting, right? To hear from straight from a Chicago person that the White Sox are up there with the Cubs, and just in terms of name recognition in this in the city. Yeah, I think it depends on where you are in the city. Too. Ah, okay. Got um, it. So yeah, I think I, I think in general, um, people, you know, there's the classic like the Southsiders are the White Sox fans and the Northsiders are the Cubs fans. Um, but I think in general, everybody cheers when Chicago wins. Um, but I'll tell you, <laughs> I was living on the South Side when the Cubs won, and I, I heard like one firework <laughs> go off. <laughs> um, and so I was really happy to be living on that side of the city. Um, so how compare this? Compare this, Jer and and Patty. I, I I was born in Queens, even though I moved out of there fairly fairly quickly, um, like at four. But the Mets came way later than the Yankees. Is it that situation in Chicago also? Did did one of them come way after? Like you can't compare the Mets and the Yankees. Yeah, I know. I don't. I'm sure there are um, uh, other White Sox fans out there that will will be able to answer this question better than I can. Um, uh. But they they are both. They both. The both teams have been around for for quite some time. Um, if if one came after the other, it's it's pretty close, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, so so they they both have have definitely have very strong and and uh, older followings um, in the city, just depending on where you are. And I think. I think the Cubs definitely have more um, are more nationally known, and so you know people who adopt Chicago as their home um, tend to adopt the Cubs because they don't. They most of them don't even know who the White Sox are. Huh. Um, so so yeah. So I think that, um, but I think they've both been around. I don't think it's it's they're off by much. Is it one or the other? I mean, do, do, or are there people? Jared, do you know? Oh no, I was just going to say real quick. Um, uh, the the Cubs were founded in ni- in eighteen seventy six officially becoming the Cubs in 1903 and the White Sox were founded in 1900. So it's it's it's, it's pretty close. 24 years or 3 years depending on how you look at it. 
So it's close. Patty, do people like does a Cubs fan get all excited if the White Sox are, are, are in the playoffs and the Cubs aren't? I mean, how rivalry are the two teams? <laughs> it's it's a pretty it's a pretty big rivalry. Yeah, I huh. think um, I think yeah. I don't know how many Cubs fans were that excited when the White Sox won the World Series. Uh, you know what? Now like ten? No, over that. I think they won in two thousand eight. If I'm remembering correctly, sorry, Sox fans, if I'm getting huh. that wrong, but. Um, <laughs> But yeah, I there I don't know how many Cubs fans were excited about that, and vice versa. I don't know how many Sox fans. I think each side just kind of swallows it, and we're just like, okay, we're just gonna we're just gonna watch here for the city. We're running out of time. Awesome, Patty. I appreciate the call. Thank you so much Thanks, for guys. for the content. Okay, appreciate it. Yeah, and 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 just also to I know we talk a lot about the Cubs and the White Sox there, but no, I also do appreciate uh, Patty's take on player safety, right, in the transgender discussion and, and that that's a a huge element of something like this player safety and and as patty said it's not just like on the field safety there's a ton of other elements to player safety about that, that that are worth taking into consideration um jim we got about a minute and change here anything Let's, yeah i have before one before we wrap up now that you mentioned it i think we have to be fair to to our texting fans the z-man from chicago does say the cubs are more popular than the white Sox. Okay. They're definitely um, they're second to the Cubs. No, no question asked. Okay. Well, this, this is from Z. I'm guessing because of the black box scandal, Chicagoans have a big sense of integrity. No idea what that means, and we're out of time. All right. Well, we'll wrap it up, Jim. I can tell you about that at some point if we need to. It's a pretty cool story. Um, or not cool, but interesting story. We're gonna wrap it up. We'll be back next week, Friday, May 14th. Thanks everyone for listening, and we'll talk to you soon. This has been a production of KZYX Philo 90.7 FM, KZYZ Willits and Ukiah 91.5 FM, and Fort Bragg at 88.1 FM, Mendocino County Public Broadcasting. You can check out our website at kzyx.org to find more content like this, and consider donating by clicking the red donate button in the upper right corner. Thanks for listening.